different books of the Bible cause different effects in our lives and in the life of the church. Books like Ruth are going to comfort us, while books like James are going to challenge us. Now, as long as we let the Word do the speaking and the leading, we can know that God is going to do what is best for us as His people. What is best for those around us who are without Him, and ultimately what is best for His glory in all the world. Well, Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks, and I'm glad that you could join us today at Fill the Lamp. We've been going through James' teachings, and if we could sum up this letter from James, I think we can say that this last part is a description of faith that lasts and perseveres. Now, James is warning us that we can become so consumed with the material empire, thinking about our plans and plots and strategies to work and make money, that we become blind to spiritual realities. So let's get started in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 520. Uh, I doubt we'll get very far into five, but uh, we see a number of characteristics of persevering faith. James is writing to people 2,000 years ago that were just as prominent as today in 2023. These people were acting as if all their plans were positive. But they were living in arrogance, not acknowledging that their breath could be taken away in an instant. God is sovereign over life and death. Your life is a mist, a puff of smoke. Look at verse 14, where he says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, what a humbling reminder this is. Not one of us is guaranteed that we will be alive tonight to lay our head on our pillow. God is sovereign over life and death and over our activities and our accomplishments. Only in verse 15, James says, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Everything we do, everything we accomplish, and everything we attain is ultimately under the sovereign will of God. Now, the intent here is not to create a passive pessimism in our minds that says, well, well, God has determined everything, so I'm just going to sit back and do nothing and see what he decides to do. No, 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 no. Remember that James gives plenty of commands to obey and actions to take. 
You see, James is talking about activity throughout this letter, but he's talking about activity that is humbly dependent on the sovereign God of the universe. James describes a radically different way to live in this world, particularly in the busyness of our lives. This world tells us to live like we're going to be here forever, urging us to make our plans, acquire our possessions, and work to build up our portfolio. You see, but James tells us to submit to God. Don't live like you're going to be here forever. Instead, live and plan and work like your life is short and like you don't want to waste it on worldly things. Live like you want to spend your life humbly before the sovereignty of God and ultimately for the glory of God. Be finished with self-sufficiency in this life and live your lives radically dependent on the sovereignty of God. James says in verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. My friends, humble submission to God's will means humble submission to God's will. This is where James gives us a needed perspective on sin. Friends, we normally think of sin in terms of sins, plural, of commissions. Doing what God has said not to do. God says, do not lie, and so we don't lie. God says, do not covet, and so we do not covet. This is how we often think of sin, isn't it? As not doing bad things. But Pastor James, if you will, reminds us that just as serious as lying or covetousness or anything else that God has said for us not to do are the sins of omission, disregarding, what God has said to do. This involves hearing the command of God to do something. Now, reviewing all that we have studied up to this point in this letter from James and how he tells us not to show favoritism, consequently, it would be a sin of commission for us to show favoritism. But he also told us to care for the needy. Therefore, it would be a sin of omission for us not to care for the needy. In fact, this is how Jesus explains it at the end of Matthew 25. Whereas people were cast into hell, if you will, not because of what they did, but because of what they didn't do. They didn't feed the hungry or clothe the naked. They failed to do what God had commanded his people to do all along. You find that in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46 
I suggest everyone read that scripture. Now, to make the seriousness of these sins of omission more clear, imagine someone who claims to be a Christian but lives in sexual immorality, even when confronted with the word over and over again. The word says not to commit sexual immorality, Romans 13, 13. But the person deliberately does what God says not to do. This is eternally serious sin, especially when God says the sexual immoral will not, get this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality. Paul was pretty straightforward, wasn't he? As we've seen in Matthew 25, Jesus actually tells people who have ignored the poor to depart into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now this should cause us to realize that it is eternally serious to ignore the poor. Faith that lasts is obedient to the will of God. I say, let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come humbly once again before you. We come knowing that our sins are absolutely terrible. You've said in your scriptures that if we'll confess our sins, you are faithful and true to forgive our sin and restore us unto righteousness. Father God, the sins of omission, these are the times that you tell us to feed the poor. You tell us to clothe the naked. You tell us to visit the ones that are sick. Father God, you tell us to do these things and we purposely neglect these moments of your command. Father God, I just lift up each and every one of my listeners today, Lord. I pray that the sensitivity of not doing what you tell us to do, Father God, is horrific. It's a horrific sin. So I lift up all my listeners as you speak to us of these things that we are to do, that you have commanded us to do, Father God, and we've neglected these. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that we would come to you humbly and we would correct and we would repent, repenting 
as to doing what you want us to do. Father God, I just thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, Father God. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, my friends, it's been good again. And it's always a a great moment for me to be with you, to be able to share what God wants us to do while we're still walking on this planet. Lord, I thank you and praise you. And until next time, God blessed each and every one of you. I'm Neil Parks.